As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode contains discussion about kidnapping, torture, and child murder. Listener discretion is advised. In July of 1995, Thad Phillips went missing from his family home. For the next 43 hours, he would endure pain and torture beyond belief. Eventually, though, Thad escaped and was able to notify the police. After his captor's arrest, Thad was able to provide details that led to solving the disappearance of another boy the year before. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge, and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, you guys. Welcome to you, Killer Queens. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Um, if you've been here before, we want to give you... Nope. Because that wouldn't make sense. Mm-mm. If you've never been here before, we want to give you just a little information about how the show is set up and what it's meant to accomplish. And of course, if you have been here before, welcome back. You can just use that little handy dandy skip ahead feature if you want to. We have a message to family and friends of the victims. We know that there may be someone involved in the case who might listen one day. And we want to let you know that our intention is to only bring awareness to this case. And we do use personal stories in some instances and our own humor in order to tell the story in a way that listeners can relate. But we do have the utmost respect for victims and their families. We created Killer Queens to be a place where we can have open discussions about cases just like you would with friends. So just to be clear, we're not investigators. We use information that's available to the public, such as documentaries, case files, and media coverage. And using this information, we intend to tell the story of what happened in each case that we cover. And will you always agree with our interpretations or conclusions of each case? Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. 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 We each approach cases from different perspectives, life experiences, and beliefs that we already have in place. And sometimes these differences are slight, yet they can be wide enough to cause divide and upset some of those who are listening. We do our absolute best to present the facts as we find them in our research, but we do bring our own perspectives to the case, and we understand that you will too. We want you to know that this is a safe space to discuss differences in opinions in a civilized manner, and our style may not be your personal preference, and if that's the case, we know that you'll be able to find one of the other many shows out there to tell the story the way you prefer it. 
we can be grownups and, you know, I think you can too. Yeah. Now, if we are your cup of tea and you want even more KQ, you can join our Patreon and get access to our entire catalog of episodes ad-free and access to bonus episodes too. And I'll give you just a little pro tip. If you're an ad skipper, okay, and I know none of you are, but if you are, but you still want the deals that we have available from our sponsors this week, just scroll down to the show notes and you'll see them linked there. And you can just click on and see what we got going on. Yes. Mm -hmm. But we didn't tell you that. You didn't hear that from us. Oh, no, no. Mm -mm. All right. So we're going to Baraboo, Wisconsin today. Wisconsin. I didn't even pack a bag. Uh, (laughs) There's one part in the, there's an I survived on this case. And in one part that says, you know, I was sleeping on the couch. I can't, I don't even Mm -hmm. know how, like how they say it. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, it's so funny. Yes. I'm pretty sure I... I knew somebody from, well, I knew two somebody's from Wisconsin. Um, probably more, but I don't know. But Well, Steve. Well, but like speaking in a mm. normal, like every six weeks fashion because of hair. Oh. But bag sometimes is pronounced bag. Bag. Yep. Leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we have a little, we have a little story about Baraboo, Wisconsin. It's pretty interesting. One summer day in 2017, Jamie Lynn, a resident of Baraboo, was waking up, starting her morning routine. Um, She's like making her breakfast or coffee or whatever she's doing. And then she hears a dog barking. And she said it wasn't like a normal, you know, just like a dog barking. It was like something is happening. You need to pay attention to this kind of bark. Pay attention to this kind of bark. Yeah, obviously I can't speak. Pay attention of this kind of bark. Yeah. Pay attention to this, okay? (laughs) But then she heard a neighbor scream, and she looks out her window, and she's like, oh, my gosh. So what she sees out the window is Kelly, which seems fine. Not Barbie's little sister, Kelly, though. Oh, but I figured, you know, from where I'm sitting, it's like, oh, hey, is that Kelly? Oh, Kelly. Hey, girl, how you doing? No. Kelly was an 8,400-pound Asian elephant, and Kelly was hungry. She usually ate a few hundred pounds of food a day. And yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, this, this elephant is just roaming around their neighborhood. So all these people are like, oh my God, it's an elephant. So they call the police, um, and they show up and they called Kelly's trainer. Everybody knew Kelly like in the town. So they call Kelly's trainer um, who showed up like 45 minutes after Kelly was initially spotted. I'm not really sure why it took so long, but maybe she was busy. But while they're waiting, Kelly is just like munching on leaves and stuff because that's what she does. She's just being real cute. (laughs) They knew not to use their sirens or their cars or, you know, make any sudden movements. They didn't want to scare her. And once the trainer showed up, they worked with Kelly to get her to start to walk back to her nearby home slowly and right in the middle of the street. And the trainer only had to call her name once and she walked with them all the way back, stopping occasionally to eat some plants and trees. And they said that Kelly has one speed and it is not fast. So (laughs) again, same girl. Exactly. So they get her back and they found out that she had a little help getting out. Her roommate, is it Isla maybe? I think so. Okay. Um, Was very attracted to shiny things like nuts and bolts or maybe like latches on an elephant enclosure. Mm -hmm. And so Isla had unlatched their gate. Kelly obviously is like, well, I'm making a run for it. I need to explore. And Isla just stayed there. She didn't move anywhere. 
Kelly was very food motivated. Isla wasn't. So when Kelly saw the opportunity for some free grub, I mean, she took it. And again, same girl. Yeah, can't blame her. So how the hell did an elephant just show up in this neighborhood in a small Wisconsin town? Well, glad you asked. Baraboo was actually where the Ringling Brother Circus was established back in 1884. So after Ringling settled there, several other circuses relocated to the city, earning it the nickname Circus City. Hmm. I used to go there for um, electronics. And I know. I was stuff. like, it was sounds Circuit like Circuit city. city. Yes. Yes. I used to. Dude, I loved Circuit City. It was the best. It was the best. Baraboo is the home to the Circus World Museum. And Baraboo has obviously embraced um, their past with the circus and hosts a circus parade every year. Kelly and Isla are involved in that parade, so that's why police officers are specifically trained in how to deal with them. And the morning Kelly escaped, no one was in any actual danger. They had the situation under control immediately. Everything was fine. The police chief said it's really more about knowing what to do instead of— Nope. Nope. Why can I not talk anything? I can't talk anything. (laughs) You said, why can I not talk anything? (laughs) (laughs) The police chief said it's more about knowing what not to do instead of knowing what to do. And Baraboo is just north of Madison, Wisconsin, which is the state capital, with an average population of 12,000. It's much smaller than Madison, which has a population of like 250,000, according to the 2020 census. So we're in Wisconsin. Mm. And we have a little backstory on Baraboo, but what is actually bringing us to Baraboo today? So we're going to talk about Thaddeus, who went by Thad Phillips. In July of 1995, Thad Phillips spent the entire day with his family. He remembers that earlier that day, they went out for dinner. It was his mom, dad, and his three younger siblings. And Thad said that after dinner, they returned home and hung out for a little while. And eventually his parents went to bed. So that left Thad and his youngest sister in the living room watching TV on the coach. <laughs> After a while of watching, they both dozed off. Later that night, Thad woke up and he was being carried by someone. He was only 13 at the time. So it wasn't uncomfortable for him and his siblings to fall asleep on the coach and then have their dad come in. I can't stop now. I can't. I'm not going to. Thanks. I've been practicing. (laughs) Um, But when they would fall asleep, their dad would come in while they were sleeping and he would carry them to their bed. So initially he's like, no big deal. Dad's just picking me up to bring me back to bed. But um, the person who was carrying him took him outside of the house. And in his mind, because, I mean, I think it's important to remember or to keep in mind, he's 13, Mm -hmm. groggy at best. He has no idea what's going on, but he is just trusting, right? Everything's fine. So he's like, okay, well, maybe it's one of dad's friends that needs needs help with his car, like having car trouble. So maybe they they need my help. And, you know, he's like, I just was thinking, okay, maybe they couldn't wake my dad up, so maybe they thought I could help. So Thad said it was still dark outside, and he wasn't completely sure what was going on. And they had only lived in this house for like two weeks at this point. Mm -hmm. So when he asked the person where his car was, he told him it was just over the heel. The heel. The heel. (laughs) It's just over the heel, right up there. That that little heel over there. (laughs) Yes. um, The hill. (laughs) <laughs> they were walking towards. Take the girl out of the country, man. <laughs> the hail. Oh God. The hail. Stop it. I can only, I think everything in my body is like, quit doing the Wisconsin accent. You have to go back to Southern. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, 
Hey, you guys. Um, it's us again. Yay. It's us. We threw, we threw you for a loop on this one. <laughs> uh, so we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF, where are episodes one through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember, though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so here are the details. You'll be able to access our what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. So they're walking towards that damn heel. Mm-hmm. And he said that looking back, he wasn't scared at all. And he didn't even realize that he needed to be scared. This, like, for me, how many, I know that we've heard other cases where people are like, well, the child had to have gone willingly because they wouldn't, like, they would have gone kicking and screaming, you know, if it had been somebody they didn't know or whatever. And it's like, that's not always true. Like, and he's 13 when this happens. And I have Mm -hmm. maintained because once my kids fall asleep, they're fucking out. Mm-hmm. Like you can pick them up, you can carry them, you can move them around, you can, you know, kids are used to falling asleep and waking up different places. They've right. been doing that since they were born. So like, and they have, it's the most vulnerable time mm-hmm. that their guard is completely down mm-hmm. and they trust. They trust whoever that they just assume that this is a grown up that, you know, that my mom gave this person permission or my dad gave, you know, like this is somebody mm-hmm. who knows my dad or whatever. I just, I hate when police officers are like, well, it doesn't look like there was a struggle. So the child must have gotten out on their own and they're probably just wandering around. But uh-uh. You, when a child is asleep and this is a 13-year-old, so we're not talking about a six-year-old. This happens for a long time for kid. Now, you or me, if somebody tried to pull us out of our bed, we'd be like, oh, God, like we would freak out. Right. But not children. They sleep so heavily. Well, and dude, I cannot... I mean, I've told this story before, but it it applies in story in uh, situations like this. When you had a migraine mm. and you asked for Tylenol, mm-hmm. I called I, my mom on the phone. Yes, and I get woken up, and mom just handed me two Tylenol or something, and she's like, "Here, take this." And I was like, "Okay." So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even question it. I just took it and went back to sleep. Yeah, and like thirty minutes later, I'm like, "The fuck." my Tylenol at? Like, <laughs> my head hurts so bad because I didn't like, get I up didn't and even go out have there. a headache. Yeah. This is crazy. And Tori's like, well, my head feels really good. And I was like, yeah. I am dying in here. Mom was like, oh I know. my God, I thought that was Tori. Or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because nobody can tell our difference. Our di- oh my God. Our difference. Our difference Voices apart. apart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, I mean that like, it's just very frustrating. I'm just like, you know, this is a 13-year-old. And again, like, uh, they need to be able to sleep really heavy because if kids woke up every single time we pick them up from falling asleep on the couch and move them to their bed or pick them up from the car, you know, when you're driving somewhere in the car at night and they fall asleep, 
if they just like woke right back up and were ready to party again, like our lives would be so much more difficult as parents. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere after a certain point. That is for sure. Exactly. So it's like, it's a known thing that children just fall asleep and then you can just move them anywhere you want to pretty much. Like a lot of times they're going to stay asleep. Sometimes they'll wake up, but a lot of times they don't. So yeah, this happens. Like police get with it. Well, and yeah, get out of that like adult brain of yours because yeah, if I, if somebody farts in a different room while I'm dead asleep, I'm waking up. Mm -hmm. But when I was little, not Mm -hmm. the case, slept Mm -hmm. through an entire tornado. So it's like, I, you know, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. But so then, okay, he's being carried, right? He's outside. The stranger asked that if he could run with him. So they start running away together. And again, can't stress it enough, he's 13, and he thought he was just helping one of his dad's friends. Mm -hmm. So after they ran a while, they arrived at a rundown-looking house about a half a mile away from where they started. And the stranger told Thad that he lived there with his brother as they go in. The house is a fucking disaster. Like, a bomb went off. It is— It's so bad. Bad trash everywhere, old food scattered throughout, dishes, ugh. Now, this is his home that he lives in with his mom, right? I don't even know— I couldn't tell for sure, but he waited for his, like, the only reason he can bring him back here is because his mom has gone out of town to babysit a relative, like help babysit for a relative or whatever. So she's gone for a couple days. That's the only reason why he can do this at this home for this many times or this many days. So it appears that this is his family home. This is where he lives with his mother. Just garbage. Yes. It is literally a dumpster that they live in. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really bad. It's not like it's an abandoned house, I don't think. Right. It sounds like it's an abandoned yeah. house, but and who knows what this guy was up to before he picked up that and after his yeah. mom left, maybe he trashed it. I don't know. But anyway, it's not in good shape. Mm-hmm. And really quickly, that is like, oh my God, this is not a friend of the family. And the stranger said that he was going to have a party. He started naming off people that Thad knew from the neighborhood and from school. And he was like, oh, they're all coming. It's going to be great. We're all going to hang out. It's going to be a really fun time. And Thad kind of relaxed a little. He's like, okay. I recognize sounds, those names. Yeah. yeah. Like this, maybe it's not so bad. And the uh, stranger introduced himself as Joe. So Joe asked that if he liked model cars and trucks and told him that he had a lot of them upstairs that they could go look at. And Thad followed him and they looked at them briefly. Now, hearing that, and I'm not, this isn't like a dig at Joe or any, I mean, not Joe. It's always a dig at Joe. Um, It's not a dig at that or anything, but I'd be like, are you fucking, you woke me up out of a dead sleep and then you're like, you want to come look at these cars? Yeah, it's pretty fucking late, dude. I don't want to hang out and look at your stupid cars. Yeah. No thanks. No, thank you. Yeah. Ugh. So, in a flash, Joe pushed Thad onto a nearby bed onto his back, and he quickly grabbed Thad's right ankle. The things that Joe does to Thad, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I feel like there are some people who are going to feel sick when they hear it. Like, it's really, 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 really bad torture stuff. Mm -hmm. So just putting that out there, we're going to discuss it. We are, and it's sprinkled in throughout the case. Uh Uh-huh. So it, it unfortunately it wouldn't be a type of situation where it's like just skip ahead because we're it's gonna cu- keep coming up. Yeah, yeah. So just so just you know, know that I know we like said a little bit in the beginning, but like just just to let you know it, it's about to get real. Yeah, I'm glad you said it, but I don't love when you interrupt me. So I know, I know. Back to it. 
Joe grabbed Thad's right ankle and he began to twist it. And he twisted and twisted until Thad's ankle snapped and splintered. 13-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Immediately after, Joe sat up on the bed beside Thad and buried his hands in his, or, uh, buried his face in his hands. <laughs> I always do that, buried his hands in his face. I know. What could you bury your hands in? Well, I guess your butt, but that oh. doesn't sound good. You don't want to bury your hands in your butt. Oh my gosh, this is... It's taking a turn, it hasn't has it? has taken a turn. I don't like that. Sorry. Okay. All right. So, he, so that's in shock. Mm-hmm. He's confused. He doesn't know what's happening. So he tries to escape and he jumps up off the bed. The adrenaline in him is flowing like crazy and he runs out of the room and down the stairs. And Thad said that as he was running, he could feel the broken bones of his ankle slide up further. Yeah, further up his leg. And it was rubbing against the other bone in his leg. And Thad made it through the living room and halfway through the kitchen. And then Joe catches him. Mm. Joe wrapped his arm around Thad's neck, putting him in a chokehold, and drug him back to the living room and threw him on the couch. He then grabbed Thad's right leg and began to force it up towards his head, and he put all of his weight on it. And Thad's leg was over his head when his femur snaps. <sighs> this is tough stuff, man. Yes. It like it makes you it makes your stomach turn. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine the pain this no. child is going through. Absolutely. It's, I mean, immense torture. And the femur, if you don't know, is the, is the main, is the bone in your thigh. It's, yes, it's, and it's considered to be the strongest bone in the human body. Yeah. It's the largest and thickest bone. It's protected by layers of muscle surrounding it. And it's estimated that it takes about 4,000 newtons of force to break the femur, which is around 900 pounds of force. How does he know how to do this? Well, we're going to get there. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a young person, too. It's just it, the depravity. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So the majority of femur breaks seen by physicians are from traumatic accidents, like mostly car accidents. And crazy thing is, did we thank Mark? <gasps> we did not. Classic. We're horrific. Man. We are. Thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm for writing this up. We adore you. And also thank you for recommending it and suggesting it because this was your your case and we love it. Um, So, little known fact about Mark, which unless, if you get the newsletter, Mm -hmm. the weekly emails, there's a little bit of this in there um, from this week or not this week, last, okay, it was a while ago. I'm getting my days mixed up. But anyway, so, when he, Mark was in the fourth grade, he was in a bad bike accident and he broke his left femur in two places. Yikes. He said he was in traction in the hospital for a month and spent a few months in a half body cast after that. Breaking your femur is no fucking joke. No, like that. It, hopefully, this is helping everyone, including myself, when I first heard about this, how much force is needed right. to break a femur. Yeah. I think I. When I broke that little bone underneath my toe, I think I would just walked weird and mm-hmm. snapped it. But and then I walked around on it for six weeks. So like, I just I just cannot imagine this. No. Oh my gosh, the amount of force is just oh my gosh. And the thing is, Joe wasn't just breaking his bones either. He would punch and kick that as well. It was just a constant rain of blows on him mm. and. 
after his leg broke, Thad said that he didn't feel any pain from it. It was just a loud pop. Jeez. Immediately after that, it was like a flip switched and Joe became a normal person. Joe would want to talk like nothing happened and Thad would try to get him to talk or keep talking to him to keep him from attacking him. Thad asked Joe why he was doing this to him and Joe said that he had a fascination with the sound of bones breaking. How do you figure that out? I have no idea. Are you around somebody who's bone who suffers a broken <laughs> bone and then you're like, oh, that was awesome. Right. I mean, the only thing that I could think, I actually, I'm not sure if I know what it, the sound a bone makes when it breaks, unless we're talking like maybe a rotisserie chicken. No, oh, Jesus. It's just, I can't do that either, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently went to a seafood place and opening up a crab. Maybe, is that is that a similar sound? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, why can't you just go to the freaking seafood place and order crab legs? And you know what? I watched this horrific movie. <sighs> Fucking Cronenberg. <laughs> it's called Crash. Have I discussed it before? I don't think so. This is not the crash that we all know and love. No, no, no. Not the Brendan Fraser vehicle. No. This, because I thought when my friend was like, do you want to watch Crash? I was like, fuck yes, I want to watch Crash. And then she puts it on and I'm like, what is this? What is this? It's a freaking Cronenberg movie. And it's about all of these people who have this sexual fetish. And I'm not saying that this kid was sexually aroused by the sound of bones breaking. I mean- I don't know. He really enjoyed it and he was obsessed with it. I don't know. Fascinated. Whatever. Call it what you want. But these people were very, very into the sound of car crashes. Oh. Oh. Get the rocks off because of car crashes. Okay. I don't know if I told you or told everybody or told whoever. I I don't know. Anytime I can bring it up, I try. But it is so absurd. So they just like go around crashing their own vehicles or like watching tapes of car crashes and things like that. Like, it's just so ridiculous to like literally to crank it while they're I know. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of is that episode of um oh uh, what was that show called, Tori, where people like were into stuff that they shouldn't be into? Um My Strange Addiction. Yeah, maybe something like that, where like, yeah, where the woman was like eating toilet paper and stuff. Yes, 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 okay. yes. My strange addiction, huh? So one of them was that balloon popping. Yes, the guy who you guys. Mm-hmm. Every time he popped a balloon, and I'm not trying to be, this is what happened. He fucking creamed his pants mm-hmm. every single time. And mm-hmm. they, sh- uh, obviously you don't see what's happening inside of his pants, but like. I understand what you're doing here and why you're saying all of this, but now I don't feel so bad about the hands in the butt. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, It did take even more of a turn, but like this guy, <laughs> it, this is on like regular network TV. And they and watch. He's making the faces. He's, he's making, making the, the faces. Like, yep. yes, he's like, he holds a balloon up and he's getting all into it and he's like really excited about it. And then he pops it and it, oh, it's disgusting. Mm-mm. He like Mm-mm. shudders and I'm like, that's your O face. Oh, and like, God. I cannot. I just, I feel like Joe is that into it because we are going to get into some other things that he does during this time. Maybe it's not the sound of the bones breaking that gets him going, but there is parts of it after, and he's definitely sexually aroused at points during this. Mm. It's disgusting. All right. Um, uh, I guess we must rebuild. I, I don't... It's just so uncomfortable. The whole thing is very uncomfortable, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Thad is still trying to talk to Joe to try to get him to not hurt him and torture him anymore. Mm -hmm. Because the more his mind is working on talking, the less it is about breaking his bones. So he's like, well, okay, but why can't you just do it to yourself if you like bones breaking so bad? And Joe said that he's he's tried, but he could never get the angle right to break his own bones. And Thad was like, have you ever done this to anyone else? And Joe told him yes. So as the night turns into morning, Thad asked Joe if he could call his parents just to tell them he was okay. And he was kind of, I mean, like really surprised because Joe was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, yeah, okay, call him. Yeah, sure, sure. they're probably worried about you. Yeah, so he hands him a phone and Thad shaking. He's trying to call his parents and he realizes that the phone is disconnected. Mm-hmm. And Joe thinks this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing and just really enjoyed watching the hope drain from his face and eyes. Mm. That is a whole nother awful element of torture. Yeah. Yep. Thad begged and pleaded. He told Joe that he wouldn't tell anyone that ha- what happened. He said that he would tell everyone that he tripped over a coffee table. And that's how he hurt himself. And Joe was like, no one's going to believe you, man. Like, no. So he sits beside him on the couch and watch TV with him. Because that's what the fuck Thad wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, you want to watch a movie? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So after a few hours of TV, Joe carried Thad back upstairs to the bed, and Thad was fighting with him the whole time. He would hit Joe in the back of the head. He would try to punch him, and Joe was sitting on top of him with his back towards his uh, towards Thad's face, and he grabbed Thad's left ankle and began to twist, and he twisted and twisted and twisted until, again, the ankle snapped and splintered. Oh, and all the punching did— it, it just made Joe matter and matter, and he kept twisting and kept twisting. And Thad describes it in the I Survived episode. He said it looked like a twisted rubber band. His skin. Mm-hmm. Look, oh my gosh. Yeah. Joe told Thad not to yell or fight back, or he would break his neck or back. And he held a pillow over Thad's face, or he would make Thad hold the pillow himself over his own face. And Thad, of course, said that he believed Joe 100%. I mean, he'd already broken his leg, broken both of his ankles. So he had no reason to believe that he would not break his neck mm-hmm. or his back. Yeah. And he, like, he said he could break it in such a way that he would be paralyzed. And he was like, why would I not believe him? He's obviously an expert at this. Yeah. I mean. Not his first rodeo. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I remember, Thad's 13. And he said, mm-hmm. with all of this happening— he refused to cry. He said he would not let Joe know how scared he was. I cannot imagine being so Mm-mm. brave and strong to not cry out of fear, but also out of pain. Yes. Yes. I cannot even imagine. I mean. Yeah. Throughout the day, Joe would leave the house and go outside to try to get his car started. I wondered is his car not starting one of the things that saved his life? It because I like wonder it. if he would have driven him somewhere and like just left him, you know? Yeah. If he could have. I mean, I don't know. But he keeps trying to get his car started and it's not really clear why. It's not clear where he's trying to go like all day, but it's not working. Well, and I was wondering because what you said could very well be true, but if the car had been working, would he just have unlimited amount of time just to like beat him to death? Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this is kind of a distraction for him. So he's in and out, hopefully long. You know what I mean? Like it's buying yeah. bad some time yeah. at the very least. Definitely. 
Because he'd go out there, he'd mess around with it. He wouldn't be able to get it started. And then it would piss him off. So then he would like storm back into the house. He'd go up the stairs. He would, you know, complain that the car is not working. It seemed to just be really, really amping him up, pissing him off. And then he would attack that over and over. So it was kind of like this pattern of he would attack that. Then he'd give him some time. He'd go down, work on the car or whatever, and then that would piss him off. So it was like he'd calm down after he'd attack him. Then he'd go work on the car. He'd get all riled up again and come back in and attack him. It's just such bullshit because it's not Thad's fault that you're such a fucking awful mechanic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> after each torture Read session— a book. Yeah. Joe would pretend to administer aid to Thad. He had a lot of white socks— that he would put on Thad's feet in an attempt to kind of like make a homemade cast, which socks are soft, dude. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you layer them 19 times, they're mm-hmm. still going to be soft. Exactly. It's like, it's like, okay, but they're still socks. Do you see how they're, but they are socks though? Yeah. It's not, it's not like a, like a paper mache would even be better than a, just a sock. Well, exactly. But also, the way that you have broken these bones, not that he was actually trying to administer aid because we know that it's not true, but even if you had, let's say you just, you you knew how to make a cast. Mm-hmm. You have done so much damage that a surgery is going to need to ha- happen here. Like, there's no, there's no fixing it. Especially for you. With yeah. socks. With, yeah, socks <laughs> are not the answer here. Especially with socks. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So he would put the socks on Thad and Thad said he was very, very deliberate with how he put the socks on. He was meticulous about it. Yes. He would make sure the seams were just right and everything had to be layered in just the right way. So like he told him, like, I'm really into bones breaking, but I'm also really into caring for them afterwards. This is gross. And not just into it, you guys. He had hundreds of pairs of pristine white socks, long socks. Like tube socks. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of pairs of these suckers. His whole house is a garbage can. He lives inside of a garbage can. But these socks are bright white. They are perfectly clean. They're brand new. Hundreds of pairs of them. And he'd put the socks on Thad. And then he'd stand around and he'd jack it. Hmm. Hmm. Is it the socks that got him off? Is it the... See, I don't know. I don't. I, I just... I but don't. this is very reminiscent of the balloon situation mm. to me. Um, of course, Joe Clark denies this, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe him, though. Exactly. At one point... At, well, and like after he put the socks on, he'd calm down again, right? Yeah. Probably part of it is like he's really relaxed after jacking it, but I don't know. But at one point, he puts leg braces on Thad, which, like, I'm. where did you get leg braces? Where does, where do any people who inflict any kind of whatever, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where do you get this stuff? Exactly. Like, I don't, there's not a ton of information out there about this. So, like, I don't know if Joe had to wear leg braces when he was younger, and this is what started this fascination. Did he, I mean, he said he couldn't break his own bones, but did he have broken bones before? Like, right. where did this come from? And again, I don't know. It's This is 1995. Like, we're not just calling up right. the Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's so, so bizarre. I just finished House of Hammer. Oh my God, oh it's, so, my it's so interesting. It's so good. Where do you get a sex throne? Well, you have to have that handmade. Mm. That's a custom order. Commissioned, yeah. Sex throne. I, it's just like stuff like that. I'm like, but but where does one procure? Yeah. What is a sex throne, though? They, I mean, they gave a little bit of information, but it. I don't think I want to know what you. Oh no, see, yeah, what happens mm-hmm. there? But yeah. So he puts these leg braces on Thad, and he makes him walk around. Can you imagine? No. He forced him to walk to where the stairs were and stand at the top. This is terrible. Yeah. Thad says, so he says he's standing on a board at the top of the stairs. and No doubt in excruciating pain because he has absolutely completely obliterated his ankles and his thigh. Yeah, absolutely. And he says that either the board gave way or Joe pushed him or something. I'm going to go with uh, option number two. Yeah. And I mean, we do know that like there's a lot of like the floorboards like ripped up in the house and like it's not, you know, the floors, I wouldn't call them like 
even still in working order necessarily, but like, yeah, I'm sure he shoved him down the stairs. So he, I mean, he goes all the way down the stairs and he lands on his back. Mm. And at this point, I mean, his injuries are just getting worse and worse. His ankles were swollen to the size of softballs. His right thigh was swollen to the size of a basketball. His legs were black and blue. And I don't know if what I found was an actual photo of his legs, but I Googled what his legs look like. Because he, at one point, he says they don't even look human. Mm. And I found a picture that led to a Facebook post. But then when I clicked on it, it just went to a Facebook page and not to the actual post that it, you know, like I couldn't get it to go to the same post. But the link said Joe Clark, the bone breaker killer or whatever. The picture that I saw, and again, I don't know if it's the real thing, but imagine a zombie movie and you know how like you can see all the like veins and it's almost like, um, what do they call it in Game of Thrones? It's like grayscale or something. Gray something. Gray. Yeah, I think it's gray. I think it's grayscale in Game of Thrones, but it's like, you know, where like um, when somebody is like, you know, in some of the movies, once they turn into a zombie, you can see like they're like black veins. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like a design on their skin, you know? Yeah. Because everything is so like all these different colors are coming through and all that stuff. That's kind of happens in Morbius too. Doesn't. Yeah. Oh, you've never seen. Okay. No. Um, that's what it looked like. And just so swollen. Why didn't you send me this photo? Well, that's, yeah, that was a good idea, huh? And again, like, I'm not totally sure that that's, you know, but I mean, it's pretty rough. Yeah. And the way he described it, like that picture seemed like, yeah. Pretty accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine looking down at your own body parts and being like, not it. That's mm-hmm. not, that does not look like what I remember it to look like. Exactly. That's not, that's not what my body parts are supposed to look like. I mean, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have it's nightmares be the about most that, surreal. right? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Like waking up and being like, you know, something as small as like all my hair is gone or all my teeth have fallen out or like, I don't know, just like sure. something on your body changing and you having no control over it. Oh my gosh. Mm-mm. I just sent it to you. Oh my God. But see, the caption says, like, it's from that case. So I don't know. I don't know. But it's bad. This is awful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. God bless him. If that is really him. Oh, God. How he even mustered up any kind of strength to even stand up for Joe. I know. I know. And he says at this point, Joe takes him, drags him back upstairs, and leaves him on the bed. So... The sun's going down. It is now night. And Joe leaves that alone. He hears the front door close, and then he hears a car driveway. So he's obviously got his car working. And he's like, this is my own, like, I have to get out of here. This is my chance. He knew he had to do everything he could to get out. He gets himself off the bed. He drags himself to the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He threw himself down the stairs. He knew he couldn't stand up. He just threw himself down the stairs. He tumbled all the way down. And as soon as he hits the bottom, he passes out from the pain and exhaustion. I mean, my gosh. And keep in mind, too, Joe has not fed him or given him any water since he's been here. So that's certainly not helping things. A few minutes later, he wakes up and he tries to crawl through the living room to the kitchen. 
And he said he has no idea how many times he passed out, but he just kept passing out and coming to and passing out and coming to. And he didn't make it very far. Um, He made it to the living room um, or he was in the living room. He was trying to get to the kitchen and then the front door opens and Joe walks back in. And Joe was obviously in shock. He was like, how did this 90 pound kid get all the way down here with the injuries that he had? I mean, it's, Nothing short of a miracle, honestly. I know, but my, I cannot stand it because this infuriates Joe. Yes. He's very angry. Like Thad is supposed to be his property to do what he pleases. And he's like, well, damn it, get back in the bed so I can inflict more uh, torture on you. Uh-huh. Like, how dare really? you try yes, to get exactly. out of here? Yeah. Oh my God. I just, I get it in the sense that Joe is a, is complete evil. Uh-huh. I get it in that sense, but it pisses me off so bad. Cause I'm like, you don't get the right. You don't have the right to be mad at him. Exactly. Are you kidding me right now? Like, God, and wait till we get to Joe's explanation of all this. You want to talk about window open scale? You're going to want to be fully torqued when we start talking about that because take the wall down. OMG. So he um, grabs that, carries him back up to the bed. He twisted his ankles more. He now at this point he's jumping on his chest. He is literally like jumping up and down on Thad's chest. He's hitting him. He's doing all the stuff. And Thad said that Joe just took all of his anger out on him, and he had no clue why. But he's awake for all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is going on? So after beating um, Thad and torturing him after his escape attempt, Joe carries Thad back down to the couch. And they watch a few movies. That sounds fun. After some heavy, heavy and excruciating torture, pop in a good movie. Exactly. I mean, and that's that's what you're going to want to do, right? Like, yeah. You. No, Joe, I do not want to go to. (laughs) Dory, I literally thought about that. Are you serious? Yes, I did. Like when I was like reading over all, I'm like, why would he want to? Play with you. No. And you know Why would he want to see? Yes. Fucking idiot. He doesn't want to see your model truck collection. He doesn't want to hang out and watch movies with you. Like fucking lunatic. Like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? So, um, all of this is going on. And then he's like, let's watch some movies. So eventually Thad passes out and he ends up passing out for the rest of the night. So when he wakes up, it's Sunday morning and he looks at his legs and this is when he's like, they don't look like human legs. I mean, they're really bad. Um, and he said the pain was just excruciating. And he's like, I do not have any words to explain how much this hurt. I believe that. Yeah. Like not even a little bit. Um, so once Joss, jaw, oh, <laughs> Once Joe saw, wow, Joss Stone, yeah, <laughs> that Thad was awake, he carried him up to the bed and started to torture him again. I'm not really sure why he was so set on torturing him on the bed. Maybe because it would be harder if neighbors walked by to hear him, or maybe, yeah, he just it was always in the bed, pretty much. Yeah, um, no and idea. he's just said every few hours he would come back in 
to do more damage. Ugh. At one point, he grabbed Thad's left leg and started to twist it at the knee. Mm-mm. You guys, this is rough. Eventually, it snapped, and it was facing backwards. His knee was backwards. Um, his legs are just completely mangled at this point, and there's nothing he can do to stop it. He has to just endure it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, at this point, there's no way I'm walking out of this house. Yeah. Like, so a few hours later, the sun set again, and Joe was going to go to a party. By this point, Thad had made three different attempts to escape, but he was caught every time, and he would get beat more severely each time. This time, Joe was like, I'm not taking any chances. So he carries Thad over to his closet in his bedroom. He throws him in, and he locks the door. And Thad said he laid there, he heard the front door close, and then he heard a car drive away. And he's like, he's fucking gone. I got to do this now. Now it's completely dark in this room. His body is starting to shut down. Right. I mean, he's, again, he's not had any food or anything. He's severely, severely injured. Like his, many of his ribs are broken at this point. His body is just completely, I, I just can't even imagine it. But he said that day he knew was one of his younger brother's birthdays. And that kept him going. He just wanted to get home to see his family. So he starts feeling around the closet because, again, he can't see. It's totally dark. And he feels an old guitar. And he's like, this feels sturdy. Like, I can do something with this. So he grabs it, and he starts to beat the door with it. And after a while, he broke the door open. How did he have enough strength? I know. It's just a miracle. So he... Not only does he have enough strength to do that, he drags himself across the room, into the hall, over to the top of the stairs, and head first, he just threw himself down because he knew there was no, there's no way he's going to get down the stairs other, other than that. Mm-hmm. He passed out again at the bottom. Using everything he had, he drug himself through the living room, into the kitchen, and he saw a phone on the wall. And he knew this phone worked because remember— Uh, Joe had given him a phone before that was not connected. He knew this one was because he had heard Joe talking to his girlfriend about going to that party that he was at that night earlier. So he knew this phone worked. So he said it was pretty much pitch black out, but there were two lucky things about this phone. One lucky thing was that it had a cord that reached all the way to the ground. Why would a phone have a cord? Oh. Silly. Whoopsie. Um, Okay, let's... Let's let's history lesson. History lesson. (laughs) Um, So back in the day, phones had cords. They were attached. It was like it was on the wall. Mm -hmm. You had the receiver on the wall. Well, you had the base on the wall. Base on the wall. The receiver on the base. Mm -hmm. And you picked that up. And if you wanted to talk on the phone, you had to fucking stand right there. Now, if you had a long ass cord like this. You could stretch the cord maybe into the living room. So if your mom's in the kitchen and you don't want her to hear what the fuck you're talking about, you could walk into the other room slightly. It's a stretch, but you can get there. Sometimes you had really, really, really long cords and you can go to a different room, bring it Mm -hmm. with you. Think I'm trying, (laughs) this might be a random reference, but this is the only thing that's coming to mind. If you've ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, (laughs) there is a part where... The mom, I think, is on the phone and she's just like wrapped up. Or no, maybe it's just the daughter. But she's like completely tangled up in yes. the cord and she has to like free herself. That's the cord. Yeah. 
It's just so funny to think about now because it's like, you know, if my husband's at the grocery store and he calls me 50 times because he can't go to the grocery store without calling me 50 times, but he'll be like, hey, do we have any of this? Hey, are we out of this? Hey, do we have any more of this? Bless you. I have to like, you know, okay, well, let me go into that room or, oh, let me go out and check that or, uh, you know, whatever. Like that Mm -hmm. was not a thing. Like you could only go so far. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, hold, hold, please. I'll be back. Or a contrary wise, if somebody that if you picked up the phone and you wanted to talk to that person in another room on another phone, you had to tell whoever was in that room, be like, hey, okay, hang it up now. I got it. Yep, exactly. Yep. Oh my gosh. Phone, man. <laughs> Bring it back memories. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so two lucky things. One is this cord hangs to the ground because he's not going to be able to stand himself up to get to the phone. The other thing is once he grabs the cord and like shakes it and knocks the phone down, this particular phone had the buttons on the receiver part. Not all phones did that. A lot of phones, especially back in the day, like just the receiver would come off, and but you had to push the buttons on the base. And mm-hmm. if that had been the case, he would never have been able to reach those buttons Mm-mm. because he's on the ground. So he gets it off the wall. It falls down. It's working. The buttons are on the receiver. He calls 911. I mean. I know. Honestly, I feel like it was a godsend for this to, if it had to happen, for it to have happened in the 90s. Yes. Because if Joe had a phone, let's say it happened yesterday. Guess what? When he left his house, he took the phone with him. Took the phone. Yeah. If, yeah, when we're not here, there's no phone here. Mm-mm. That's actually really wild. I never, I never thought about that. That like, if somehow somebody needed a phone here and they did, I mean, I guess everybody has a cell phone now, but you know, in a situation like that, it's like, there ain't no phone in the house. Unless, I don't know, but unless you got internet connection and you can like email the, or like, Instant message the police? I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm feeling like maybe we need to get a landline. I have a plethora of phones if you want to choose one for your landline. <laughs> that's true. You do have a lot of landline phones. But I yeah, that's like, yeah, if this happened today, that this would not have, he would not have been able to call 911. No. So he calls 911 and... He tells them, like, look, I don't know where I am. I am being held captive by this guy named Joe Clark. And they're like, okay, we know Joe. He's got a criminal record. We know exactly where you are. Hold tight. And thank God. So the officers arrive. Thad is laying in the kitchen, and his left knee was completely backwards. His feet are turned sideways. 
He said that looking at their faces, they were in complete and utter shock. Now, I'll tell you this, and I know for a fact that my situation, not near anything, this was a paper cut compared to a bullet wound, not the same, totally get it. I don't know if Joe, or not, excuse me, not Joe, bad, if Thad felt this way, but I remember when I shattered my nose in the go-kart accident, I was like, this is fine. I'm completely fine because of shock, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the shock for that has worn off at this point. And I was fine until the paramedics come in and they're like, oh, shit, it's broken. And I was like, no. (laughs) That was when it set in how bad it was. So I'm just Mm -hmm. wondering his thought process when he sees other people's faces reacting to his injuries. Right. Yeah, that's true. The paramedics get him on a stretcher and they get him the F out of there. And he said the next thing he remembers is that he woke up in the hospital and the doctors told him that he was about two hours away from dying from internal bleeding. Mm. I mean, he was completely just at death's door. And look at everything he accomplished when he's literally on the brink of passing away. Yeah, yeah. They said his skin was like rubber and all of his toes were facing different directions. God. It's awful. Um, His recovery was long and slow. He required several surgeries over the course of years to regain the ability to walk, albeit with a limp. Now, Joe Clark was arrested the same night at a local party because, remember, he had to go to a party with his girlfriend. Blow off steam. Uh Uh-huh. And when he was arrested, they said the first thing he said was, oh, he's still alive? (sighs) Wow. Top-notch man there. Just (sighs) So Thad told police that Joe told him he had done this twice before. One of the names he could not remember, but the other was a boy named Chris Steiner. In July of 1994, the Steiner family went to sleep like they usually did. Their 14-year-old son, Chris, went to bed earlier than usual because he was scheduled to work the next morning at a new job and he wanted to get a good night's sleep. Precious angel. So no... When his parents went to wake him up at 6.15, he was nowhere to be found. Chris's dad had checked on him uh, checked on him the night before, around 10 p.m., and he was in bed fast asleep. They called the police, who came out and started an investigation, and they discovered that there was a screen that was slashed in a downstairs bedroom. This was Chris's older brother's room, who was staying somewhere else that night. There were muddy footprints all over the house, and lastly, there was a set of patio doors on the ground floor that were unlocked. Now, initially, both Chris's parents and the police thought that Chris had snuck out to go to a party or to see a girl. It was the weekend of July 4th, so it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. But as the hours turned into days, that thickly, thickly, Uh that theory quickly washed away. So the police then theorized that Chris had just run away, but his parents were like, eh, eh. Mm -mm. He would never do that. He was excited about his new job. He didn't have, you know, we don't have any family issues. Nothing would drive him to run away. This is not possible. Mm -mm. And they insisted Chris had absolutely no reason. He would not do it. Mm -mm. So on July 10th, a body was found on, in the Wisconsin River. The body had started to bloat from being in the water and was badly decomposed. Dental records confirmed that it was Chris. Hmm. And his cause of death was listed as drowning with an undetermined manner of death. The police did investigate other theories, though, and even questioned Joe Clark about it. Um, All of the tips they received regarding Joe was just hearsay, and Joe's mother gave him an alibi by saying that he was in 
at home in bed at the time Chris went missing. Joe was friends with Chris's older brother. So that's how he kind of like got brought into it and he got questioned. Mm. And they were like, oh, well, could have been him. His mom says he was at home at the time and there's no way he could get out without her hearing. Absolutely not. Um, But um, again, spoiler alert, uh, that was uh, proven to be false in the trial later. Mm -hmm. So Chris's family, of course, mourned his death and they laid him to rest, but his mother still hold on to her own suspicions that Joe Clark was involved. She's got some premonition, man. Oh, yeah. When Thad told police what Joe told him, they talked to Chris's parents and they got permission to exhume his body. They performed a post-mortem and discovered that Chris had breaks in his legs and ankles and they were identical to the ones that Thad had sustained. Hmm. Police searched the house that Joe kept Thad in and discovered a notebook with 25 to 30 names of boys who lived in the local area. It was a kill list of sorts. There were three headings with different names written under each one. And the headings were can wait, get to now, and the leg thing. The leg thing. That could mean a number of different things, though. Sure. Sure. Like the stanky leg, maybe. Oh, we're practicing maybe. dance moves. Okay, okay. I can do dances moves. Mm-hmm. No, I mean this is uh, hello. It's obvious. The Whoa, jig is up, man. Gosh, like this yeah. is you did this, but anyway, okay. So for his abduction of that seventeen-year-old Joe Clark was charged with. I just it's it just blows my mind. Still, 17. He's 17, seventeen. Yes, seventeen. He was charged with attempted first-degree intentional homicide, causing great bodily harm to a child, mayhem, intent to disable or disfigure, causing mental harm to a child, and child enticement. And Joe said that he did take that, but listen, all it was was to just hang out with him a little bit. There were no big deal. Just watching movies, hanging out, looking at model cars. It's fine. And he claimed to have no recollection of how Thad got injured because he, quote, kind of blacked out. Mm Mm-hmm. He pled no contest and no guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. And Joe, okay, so this is the story, right? Joe was adopted and his defense claimed that his biological mother was a drug abuser and she did so while she was pregnant with him, which caused his actions. Mm -hmm. They also claimed that Joe suffered a head injury after a severe bike crash the year before. Okay. He also, he has maintained his, quote, innocence since this has happened. And he also did an interview on like a radio show or a podcast or something. I can't remember what it was. But apparently when they asked him his side of the story about this, Mm. he said that he had got, he went and got that just to hang out with him, even though they didn't know each other. Right. And he made him walk a mile to his fucking house and all this stuff in the middle of the night, took him off the fucking couch and whatever. Um, But it was just hang out. And then when they get up there and they're looking at these model cars, Thad just starts hitting him and punching him and, like, all this stuff. So he breaks his ankle in self-defense. In self-defense. Yep. This literally is uh, Mary Vincent's attacker. Yep. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And then they were like, okay, well, what about the notebook with all the other kids' names? And you wrote, like, the leg thing, and it was definitely, like, a hit list. And he was like, oh, that wasn't even my notebook. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) That's not mine. It's not funny, but it's just so laughable. It's Can just, you, I know. Not your notebook, dude. It was in your fucking house, and you wrote the leg thing, and you you have a very particular way that you break people's legs, apparently. And uh, when the police said, hey, Joe Clark, we need to talk to you about Thaddeus, is it Phillips? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, Thaddeus Phillips. And he's like, oh, that guy is still alive? Exactly. Exactly. Why would you think he wouldn't be alive if you guys were just hanging out? And he's like, I don't know. I just kept blacking out. And like when I came to, he was hurt. And I just don't know what happened. And like, I didn't mean to. And he started it. And none Mm. of that ever happened. And once his bones were broken because of self-defense, like I broke his bones, but then like I didn't call 911 because I just didn't know what to do. It had gotten out of hand at that point. Yeah, right, dude. Like, yeah. And it's just like everything. Like if they were like, I don't, I can't remember if they specifically asked him this question, but if they were like, well, what about when you said, oh, that guy's still alive? He's like, I don't remember saying that. That didn't happen. Uh, He says the white sock thing never happened. I cannot imagine... I hope to God that if Thad has listened to that, I kind of hope he hasn't listened to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he has, I hope that he is a much stronger person than I think I could be in that moment. Because how awful. You've taken so much away from him. Mm-hmm. Thank God he didn't take his life. He took so much from him. And now he's going to take away his, the truth. Yeah. Exactly. Basically gaslighting the shit out of him. Yes. Yeah. I fuck Joe Clark. Mm -hmm. So during his trial, Thad was set to testify against Clark, but he was shot in the back by another 15-year-old boy in the area. What the fuck? Can Thad catch a break? I mean, my God. So he was actually able to testify eventually, though, and Joe Clark was found guilty. I cannot... I cannot believe the strength, the composure, the will to live, everything that he's been through. And he's like, I'm, I'm still going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, God. Joe Clark was sentenced to 100 years for kidnapping and torturing Thad for 43 hours. Thad was also awarded financial damages in a civil suit. And a judge awarded Thad $21 million. But Clark was broke. He did not have any money. And he's serving a sentence, and the judge said that at some point, Clark might make money off the notoriety and sensational nature of the case, and if he did, it would all go to Thad. Yeah. After his trial for Thad, Joe was put on trial for Chris's murder, and he was charged with first-degree homicide, mayhem, and causing bodily harm to a child. Joe Clark, of course, pled not guilty, and he still, like Terrell said, maintains his innocence to this very day. Mm -hmm. He was found guilty on the charges, though, and he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole for 60 years. And Clark has tried to appeal his convictions on the basis of lack of evidence, but they have dismissed fairly quickly or have been dismissed fairly quickly each time due to lack of merit. Yeah, because you fucking did it, dude. Yeah. Like, quit wasting everybody's time and money and just just deal. What You made your bed, let's lie in it. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. That's it, guys. Oh, what a piece of shit. I know. And what an incredible person. Like, that... Phillips the strength, says, oh yeah, gosh. that he had. I mean, it's just. And if he had not called nine one one when he did, mm-hmm. and made it out, he would not have made it out. Yeah, he wouldn't have made it out. But Joe Clark would be a serial killer. One hundred percent. A hundred percent. The well, only how many reason do you have to kill to be a serial killer, because I, I personally, I count attempted murder as murder. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but. The only reason he hadn't killed more boys was because he lived with his mom. If he lived on his own, he would have been doing this much more often. Well, and we can't know about that second boy that he mentioned to right. Thad. Yeah. But I believe it. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing two, potentially two murders right there, right. plus an attempted murder. That's 
Mm-hmm. That's enough for me to call him a serial killer. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Goodness. Uh, well, let us know what you guys think about this case. Um, of course. And yeah, we love you guys and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, before we go, it's time to give a Hey Girl thanks to some of our newest patrons. And by doing so, we're going to mess your name up. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, you know, the, we can also call this segment, You Done Fucked Up, but that's us. <laughs> Absolutely. We done fucked up. Yeah. You guys did not fuck up, but we are going no, to. No, everything you're doing is perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Hey Girl, thanks to Jerry. Shelby Keys Rhodes. Angela Bass. Andrea Enright, Jazz Styles, Samantha Dorsey, Megan Clark, Kelsey Hamlin, Katie Dalsimer, Kelsey Austin, Jessica Johnson, Gabby Howell, Emma, Tori, great name, I know, Alexis Marklin, Shanna Willett, Amanda Nelson, Alyssa Pedraza, Gracie Bedingfield, Amanda Famoso, Lucy Abair, Brittany Wilsack, Jordan Foster, Kelsey Townsend, Jolene Maya, Mac with Mast. Okay, looks like Mackenzie. Yeah, name there. Lizette, Tia Money. Okay, I would have gone with Monet, so oh. maybe one of us is right. Probably yeah. you are. Okay. Emma, Reagan Budnick, Brandy Mansfield, Gianna Flores, Alexia Gleason. Um, this might be like a username because the email says Allie Mack. So okay. You're Allie, Allie Mack. Mack. Katie Zalabak. <laughs> here we are with, we don't, we're just, man, we're killing it here. I know. We're trying, though. We're doing yeah. our best. Frith Veitch. Okay. Danielle Lynch. Libby Griffiths. Tribby Kelly. Alex Hepworth. Annie Halupka. Becca Wynn. Maria Welch, Jessica Cates, Alicia Iliano, Doriana Dixon, Melissa Patrick, Megan Woodall, Stephanie Mills, Gemma Graham, and Emily. And it looks like Emily, maybe West. Thank you guys so much. We love you so much. And hopefully the butchering of the names shows you just how much we love you. Exactly. We only butcher because we care. Exactly. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye! The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.